Oh, the best night of the week is Friday night, but the kind of the worst night of the week is Sunday night because church is over and Monday's starting. And I shouldn't say that. That doesn't sound very encouraging. And Christians should always encourage each other. I'm the Tomorrow Christian today. And I would like to podcast, I'd like to read Genesis 26 in the NLT. Uh, church was awesome today. The pastor talked about First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. You know, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. We have a living hope. In Christ, we have a new joy, a new life, a new belonging, new birth. Sermon was just awesome. And it was just fantastic. And the pastor really knows how to use words and use them well and really exp- um, really read from the scriptures and really bring bring the scriptures to life and God I really appreciate that he's very talented he's been very blessed by God why don't we pray dear Lord I want to say so much and so and but not so much that I confuse people we'd like to study Genesis 26 we'd like to get some pearls of wisdom that come from you we thank you for your Holy Spirit Lord we thank you for connecting with us You're a God that connects with us and has given us an imperishable inheritance. It's reserved in heaven for us from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 today. And you are guarding that, Lord. And your initiative is to recreate us, Lord, recreate our hearts, recreate our operating system. It's just thrilling. It's dynamic, Lord. As the song says, take us from everlasting to everlasting, Lord. Give us that passion. Help us to want to read your word. We're not reading words passively. We're devouring words. We're eating words. As it says, I believe in Jeremiah 15, 16. So thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for church. Thank you that we can worship in in peace, in relative peace in our culture in North America. Other cultures don't have this. Other nations don't have this freedom. We thank you for it. Help us not to take it for granted. And help us as we read your word for it to be fun and exciting and dynamic and soul building, character building, and life rejuvenating. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. It says here, a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. So God is telling him not to go to Egypt. So he says, Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. So God is like re-promising. He's reiterating. I guess God has to keep um, keep telling us the promises. Like it may seem that it's, it's redundancy and it's repeating, but we lose faith so easy i think to me god is just keep on telling him keep on reminding him that he's been blessed that he's part of something bigger than himself and that god has promised and god will deliver it says for i will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky and i will give them all these lands like you know maybe it's hard to believe when you're one man and your family is you know how however big that you have your family like says that he was he had two sons you know but to say your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of the sky obviously he did have faith because even as a young boy he did say to his father abraham where is the lamb you know where is the and i'm sure that you know he had his own faith he was his own person and i'm sure that he had many faith experiences 
as I went to the church today and, you know, discussing with the other Christians at the, at the fellowship, which I just love, by the way. And I think we should have so many more people at the fellowship, but I just love the fellowship. I love where we can talk. It's not, it's not church. It's not a sermon. It's just people getting together and talking and working through some questions. I think it's just great. We're all telling each other. We're all sharing with each other our experiences. I think that's really powerful. Our experiences, our joys, how we're connecting with God, how our frustrations. Lady said, you know, she got frustrated so many times she wanted to quit. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm the same way. But God reminds Isaac, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He says, I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So, you know, maybe it's like, oh, it's pressure. You know, my dad was so powerful in his faith, and I have to do that too, you know. And, um, but I don't think so with Isaac. I think that he was also a man of faith. But, you know, it's funny because he must have been a man of faith, but like his father, he made mistakes too. So here's, here's the mistake, verse 7. When the men who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebecca, he said, she is my sister. <laughs> How did this happen again? This is exactly what Abraham did in, in chapter 20. So when I read this, I go, am I having a temporal time loop? And the, the king who is at present in... Uh, king of the philistines his name is abimelech and i'm thinking is that the same guy that was in chapter 20 what is this guy like 300 years old like but it's it's a different guy with the same name but he is this abimelech is king of the philistines it says here but isaac is in gerer where the other abimelech was also king in chapter 20 so i kind of forget the the number of years that have elapsed but it's like the two two different guys the same name Isaac does the same sin again. He's afraid that he's, his wife is going to be taken away and he's going to be killed. And what a coincidence. Don't you find this is just really odd? What a very odd coincidence that the guy is in the same place. He does the same thing as his father. Did, did Abraham say, oh, by the way, I lied about your mother? Um, and Isaac just remembered this. Like, how is it that you know, these two guys are related and they do the same sin. Is this like a generational curse or a generational sin? You know how they say sin runs in families? Because this is just very odd. And the king is the exact same name, Abimelech. So that's why I wanted to sort of tie in verse 7 with verse 1. But maybe it's just an interesting thing. I don't know what theological lesson it is to teach other than just a historical narrative. Do I believe the narrative is true? Absolutely. Do I believe the other one is true too? Absolutely. Do I believe it's quite a strange coincidence? Yes, I do. He was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought they will kill me to get her because she is so beautiful. Well, that's what Abraham said about Sarah. And I guess, you know, that's what every man should say about his wife. She's the most beautiful creature and I'm so blessed to have her. And I did have a very wonderful wife. She chose to leave, but she was a very nice person. And I guess, I guess... In the final analysis, I guess God always picks a wife to put up with your nonsense and crap. And he certainly did pick a nice woman to do that with mine. Um, and I put up with her stuff too. And um, just to be fair, although I think as a husband, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say your wife is perfect or near perfect. And I, I certainly did think very highly of my wife, but religion destroys relationships. Religion destroys relationships. Religion is just doing things and not knowing why you're doing it. And then when you're addressed, when you're given new truth, you just say, nope, 
I don't want to hear the new truth. I'm going to stick with what I have. Because sometimes the truth that you get that opens the whole thing up contradicts what you knew before. How is that the case? Well, I tell you, if people just made eight-track tapes and eight-track cassettes and nobody wanted to push for new knowledge, we'd still have eight-track tapes and eight-track cassettes. And they were pretty cool and they were pretty simple, but it wasn't progress. We wouldn't have downloads. We wouldn't have the internet. We wouldn't have the internet because I had dial-up. And somebody figured out, boy, this phone blocking up the... F- when, when I go on the internet uh, to download my illegal movies from Kaza, um, that's really annoying because nobody in the house can really get on the internet or make a phone call. So I'm going to figure out how to do Wi-Fi. I'm going to figure out how to make a faster connection. So sometimes if you want to progress, sometimes you have to embrace new ideas, which are really truth, but somehow they're covered up. Because if people didn't want to progress, we wouldn't get anywhere. Verse 8. But sometime later, um, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebekah. Oh boy. Verse 9. Immediately Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, She's obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her from me, Isaac replied. Well, he's pretty honest. And it doesn't sound like Abimelech took... Rebecca, you know, into his palace the way the other Abimelech did, you know, because it just seems that this guy just saw um, Isaac and Rebecca together and sort of guessed that there was something more than just brother and sister. And so, but like the other Abimelech, he seems very moral. He seems to actually fear God and be very disturbed by what he has seen because Isaac has lied to him and they could have made a bad decision. See, if, if you have religion or if you just read little pieces of the Bible and you make decisions, life decisions, based on one or two little verses that you blow up out of uh, from a molehill to a mountain, you can make bad decisions. See, I think religion is something where you keep on doing something robotically and you don't really know why you're doing it and you make bad decisions. God wants to have a connection with you, a relationship, so that when you make life choices, you'll make them with him in mind to guide you. And I think religion sometimes can be very ossified. It can be um, restricting in the sense, this is my opinion, is that people don't really, if they think they found the entire answer, why would they keep looking? And relationship with God is a progression. Jesus Christ for me is the answer. But Jesus Christ and God are God. Jesus is God in the flesh and God is infinite. You will keep on growing closer and closer to God. Keep on maturing. Keep on growing. And I think that's relationship. It's not religion. It's relationship. The love continues to grow. Religion is kind of stifling. In Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments are God's rules to keep Israel in place. But by 2 Corinthians verse 3, in the New Testament, um, the stones are the ministration of death. They're glorious, but we can see they're stunted. It can only take you so far. Anyways, I'm not sure how I got here from all of that. But then, 
Verse 10, how could you do this to us? Abimelech exclaimed. One of my people might have easily taken your wife and slept with her and you would have made us guilty of great sin. So I'm not sure there seems to be like a corporate sin. If one person does it, it will affect everybody. It will bring God's wrath down on them. And that's what this king seems to operate on. So he obviously has a faith of his own or he has a fear of God, a reverence for God, a respect for God, a respect for morality. So, I mean, obviously he has his own sense of God. He has his own connection with God. And it's kind of admirable, um, you know, that he seems to be more courageous or more moral than Isaac, who is supposed to be part of the chosen, um, you know, part of the, the, the family line that is the chosen ones that are supposed to be special and supposed to be different. It's quite interesting. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation, anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. So he does think very highly of Isaac and Rebekah. He seems to feel that God has put something special on them and to mess that up is to cause problems for all. When Isaac planted his crops that year in verse 12, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and gold, herd of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. So now there's a conflict going on. So he seems to be blessed by God and yet he seems to be cursed or estranged by man. I mean, I don't, you know, this is obviously a story, it's a narrative, I believe it, but I sometimes wonder, is this, is God filling us in on these details? Because this is kind of, you know, as a Christian, you're blessed by God, you're blessed to have a relationship with Jesus, you know it's true, but you have a hope that it's true, you know it's true, and yet somehow it puts you at odds with other people, other family members, other people in your community, stuff like that. Just believing in God, believing in Jesus Christ, puts you at odds with others. Speaking of hope, the pastor kind of mentioned the fact that we have this living hope. And he said, biblical hope is different from the world's hope. Biblical hope is something that's for sure, confident, certain. You can have a confidence, not a pride, but a confidence in the hope that God has given you. But he added, the world has a wistful hope. The wistful hope is maybe, you know, kind of like wishing that it would happen, not being certain at all. A lot of uncertainty there. And I think that's what we want to have, that living hope. We have a hope in God and we have a living hope because Jesus was a living person. And we are living persons. We are living souls. And we have a connection with a living soul that's God, but it's also man because he is the mediator between God and man. The Sabbath, the Ten Commandments are good, but they're really blocks of rock. They're inanimate. Saturday, you know, Sabbath keeping cannot sanctify you. You, it, cannot, it cannot change you because the Sabbath is not alive. Sunday, we call it the Lord's Day from Revelation 1.10. Certainly, it's the day that Jesus rose. But going to church on a Sunday doesn't sanctify you. It's part of your sanctification process. It's the result, not the, not the cause. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you two have become powerful for us. You have become too powerful for us. Well, it's not a nice thing to sort of kick somebody out, you know, after you extend sort of a hand of welcome and say, hey, you got to leave. You're getting kind of dangerous. So Isaac moved away to the Guerrero factory, Valley factory, the Guerrero Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. 
Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerer Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerer came and claimed this spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. <laughs> well, I've been in a lot of religious arguments and I really don't win. I'm actually trying to memorize uh, a verse in Proverbs 17:14. Let me see if I can do it now. The beginning of strife is as when one lets out water. So, oh, now I forgot the other part. The beginning of strife is when one lets is as when one lets out water. So, and I forgot it. Can you believe I forgot this? Proverbs 17. Now I got to read it because it's funny. They're talking about wells and water and stopping up water. And here I am trying to memorize this verse, which I just totally went out of my head when I was trying to show off. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. I like that. So leave off contention before it is meddled with. That's what it says in the, in the King James. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. That's what it says in the ESV. And I was trying to memorize this verse because the pastor was saying, we should try to memorize Bible verses so it'll stay with us. And here are they talking about water and talking about arguments. I find this so coincidental. Coincidental. Isaac's men then dug another well, but again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Hostility and arguments about water. Maybe we argue about Jesus because we argue that Jesus is the Messiah. And he says, I will give you living water. I will give you water from a well that will never run dry. And here we are talking about arguments caused by wells dug by people and then claimed by others and then stopped up. So it's very interesting that we're talking about wells and water. Abandoning that one, verse 22, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space, for he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. God is giving us open space. God is expanding our horizons. Is this world all you want? Is it, is this, I mean, we all want to achieve great things. We want to build wealth. We want to have great families. We want to build a, a name for our families. We want to have inheritance. We want to pass on things to our kids. Those are all earthly things. But God is expanding our horizons. He's saying, you can't just be content with earthly things. What about spiritual things? What about eternity? What about laying up for yourself, not treasure on earth that, that uh, has moth and corruption, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, which is forever, which is incorruptible. Is that what that could mean about open space? Verse 23, from there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Well, Isaac could feel special. I mean, he might just feel, oh, wow, you know, I've, I've got to work according to my, my father's, you know, vision. What about my vision? But, but you could also say, you know, my father was special. I come from a certain heritage. 
God looks upon upon my family tree with great um, with great love. You know, I'm royalty with God, and we're all royalty with God. God cares about us. It said in First Peter um, one, past when the pastor was talking, he was talking about how God is guarding, um, he's guarding our, um, you know, he's guarding our salvation. It's something God won't let us fall. It's something that is precious to God and it should be precious to us because it cost the death of Jesus Christ, his perfect son. So God makes promises and God keeps promises and nothing can stop God from making um, his promises to you come true. The only thing that can stop God is you not wanting it. You walking away from it. You saying, um, I don't need your gift. I got this. So in a way, nobody can thwart God, but by your choice, you can say to God, I don't want it. And God will not force it on you. He will not force his love, his assistance, his help, his salvation, his son, his word. God won't force it on you. I think that God pursues people, but I think that it also says in Romans 1 that God gave them up. And so even God respects distance. God wants to give you personal space so you can invite him in. Verse 25, then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place and his servants dug another well. Isaac's covenant with Abimelech. Verse 26, one day King Abimelech came from Greer with his advisor Ahuzath and also Phicol, his army commander. Why have you come here, Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off your land. That sounds like a good response. I think I would say the same thing. Like, why, why are you here? You obviously had nothing. You didn't want to do nothing with me. I mean, that sounds like a very human response. They replied, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. I wonder what he could say. What would Isaac say? Oh, you want to talk now before you were holding all the cards. I mean, that's what I would say, but that's my human, that's my human nature. You know, that's my, okay, now I'm holding the cards and all oh, you want to be all humble and talk friendship and covenant. And, you know, you want to um, hold, um, you know, hold out the olive branch. Ah, maybe I'm not interested right now. But they are admitting that God is with Isaac and he's not with them in the same way. God loves everybody, but he seems to be with Isaac in the same way because Isaac is blessed. I would like to be blessed by God. Sure, I'd like to be blessed with more than enough money to pay my bills so that I don't have debts. I, I don't have anything on my Visa card or my MasterCard. I'd love that. That's not the reality that I'm part of, but I would like to be blessed in my heart. I go to church, I want to hear God's word, I want to serve God, I want to have that peace with God. But I also want to be blessed. I want to, I want to feel that faith. Yes, you got to have faith sometimes when the feelings seem to be, um, you know, when you seem to be bereft of feelings, when you feel exhausted and tired and burnt out. But I would like to also feel the blessing, feel the faith too. We have always treated you well and we sent you away in peace. The Lord has blessed you. Verse 30, so Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty. What do people do? They eat. What do Baptists do? They eat. When you want to uh, date somebody, you say, hey, let's go for a coffee. Let's just talk. 
go for a nice coffee and you're nice and relaxed or go somewhere for a meal. People want to talk. That's what they did in the New Testament church. And that's what we're doing. We're going to set an oath here and we're all going to, we're just going to, let's, let's, let's have a party. Let's get a pizza. So it seems to me that human nature has not really changed. Early the next morning, they each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again and they left him in peace. We like to be in peace. We like to have peace in us. And God gives us a peace that the world cannot give. It's a permanent peace. It's a, it's a resolution. It's a contentment. It's not being passive and sitting around and waiting for stuff to happen, but it's knowing that God is in charge, God rules. And even if things go wrong, as we were talking about in the fellowship, we know God is in charge and all things work together for good to those who love God. That very next day, that very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named the well Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, that town that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means well of the oath. It's a lot of wells, their hostility, arguments, but it's sort of transitioned to oath. Well of the oath. And it's to do with water and wells. And, um, and um, you know, leaving off contention um, before it's meddled with. So that's very interesting connection between this chapter and Proverbs 17, verse 14. Meanwhile, um, one of his sons, it says, verse 34, at the age of 40, so everybody's getting married at 40. I mean, Isaac got married at 40. Esau got married at 40. Um, it says here, Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith, the daughter of Bere, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, but Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. So this poor guy, Isaac, he probably took flack from Ishmael when he was young, and now he's taken flack from uh, his son's wives, right? Because Isaac has two sons, which are Jacob and Esau. So, I mean, <laughs> he's blessed on one hand, but yet he's cursed on the other hand. He obeys God on one hand, but there's also the seed on the other hand. So we human beings, we, we're kind of a mixture of good and evil. And obviously, because he's been blessed by God, does not exempt him from other problems. So we'll see what happens later on in the story. God bless you all. Have a wonderful evening, a wonderful rest, and have a wonderful work week.